Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? That is a question that James asks in James chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is wise? You know, that's a question that if you ask Google the way I did, you're going to get a varied answer. I googled who are wise, who's wise, the wisest men, wisest people. And obviously, if, if you do that like I did, you're going to get answers from history. You're going to get answers, men like Galileo and all of those sort. When you ask, who's the wisest among us today? These are some of the answers that you will get. You will likely read about a man named Terence Tao, T-A-O. He is reportedly the smartest person alive. At the age of two, he had already learned to read by watching Sesame Street. Sesame Street, okay, cool. By the age of nine, he took mathematics at the university level. He graduated from Flinders University in Australia at 17 and proceeded to Princeton University in the US. You'll probably run across Terence's name. You will perhaps read about Gary Kasparov, the man who became the under 18 chess champion of the USSR at age 12. He became the world under 20 champion at age 17. And he rose to fame at the age of 22 as the youngest world champion chess player in history, 1985. I believe he was also the one that took on Big Blue the computer and beat it as well. You might read of others. You might read, if you ask who the wisest men alive are, you might read of American billionaire with a B, Paul Allen. Paul Allen reportedly has an IQ of between 160 and 170. He quit college, in case you don't know who he is, he quit college in 1974. He talked Bill Gates into leaving Harvard and then went on with Bill Gates to co-found the Microsoft Corporation with him in 1975. Today he is a billionaire, owns several professional sports teams, incredibly intelligent man according to Google. The fourth one and final one I'll give you is a man by the name of Kim Ong Yong. The former child prodigy who held the world record in the Guinness Book of World Records when it was in there for the highest IQ at 210. By the time he was three, he could already read Korean, Japanese, English, and German. At the age of five, he shocked many when he solved complicated differential and integral calculus problems. He earned his elementary, middle, and high school degrees in just two years. I'm not kidding, this is what I found. You can look the names up. You can go back and watch this and you can look the names up yourself, what I found. These names and many others you will find if you go on the internet and ask who some of the wisest people are alive now or to ever have lived. This idea of wisdom is also seen romanticized in ads on TV quite often some ad campaign will 
center around somebody who's climbed the highest mountain, swam the deepest sea, whatever, and they've come to this, this mountain where this old sage sits all by himself and dispenses wisdom to the masses, those who are lucky enough to get an audience with him. It is a commonly accepted concept according to today's worldly wisdom that the more letters that you have trailing after your name, the wiser you are. That's why many people in their 30s, 40s, 50s are still paying college bills. <laughs> because the more letters you have after your name, the more wisdom you have according to the world standard. But a few weeks back, I preached a sermon series called The Language of Ashdod. And what that sermon series was about was how God's biblically defined definitions, how God's biblical definitions are often far, far different and often completely opposite from the world's definitions. And we know that God's ways and thoughts are higher, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. We know that they are higher and far more accurate and better than mere momentary mortals and their definitions. And so it is with the case of God's definition of a wise man. You see, according to God, and we as Christians are going by God's word. That's, that's our life. That's, that's all that we are. And so we would note that God's definition of a wise man is completely and totally different than Google's or the world's. A wise man, according to God, is neither one who devotes himself to living alone on some mountain or one who gets enough degrees in education to turn their signature into a serpentine alphabet of consonants at an extremely young age. I'm going to tell you, with this entire lesson, God's definition, God's definition, not the world's, God's definition, not Google's, God's definition of who a wise man is. And I will say to you before I do, that despite all those names I read earlier, I am looking this morning at some of the wisest men and women on the planet alive today, even though your names will never occur on Google, <laughs> for that reason. Because according <clears throat> to God's definition, it is those people who choose to live and to learn and to abide in and to carry out the word of God who are wise, who are the wisest. God's definition, if you'll be opening your Bibles, please, to Matthew 7. God's definition of one who is truly wise is seen in a lot of different texts, but I want to take you to a few that are very familiar to us, and, and maybe we didn't see them quite in this context or this flow before. But I want us to understand that these very familiar texts, ones that we use for a lot of different reasons, ones in which there are a lot of good lessons, they also define 
who is truly wise in the eyes of God. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21, says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 7, 21, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Then look what he says. He's going to put a therefore in here. And we know what the therefore is there for. It connects it to what he just said. Therefore, verse 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Remember, he's just said, it's the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not just simply did some good things, but did what God said. And here he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a, here we go, wise man. Jesus said, I'll tell you who's wise. The one who hears my words and does them. He's like the man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Jesus said, let me tell you who's foolish, by contrast. The foolish man is the one who hears them and doesn't do them. Now notice, the wise and the foolish have something in common. They both hear the words of God. In both cases, they heard it. What separated the wise from the foolish is whether or not they did it. He said, the foolish man is, is one who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and boom. Jesus didn't say boom, I'm adding that. And it fell. And great was, it, was its fall. God tells you right here the, the definition of wise and the definition of foolish by his terminology. Turn to me, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. You know... There's nothing wrong, and in fact, a lot of things right, with getting a good education. Wonderful things. Christians are to provide for their families. Don't, don't go home and say, Doug said we shouldn't get an education, because that's not at all what I'm saying. Okay? We have the wonderful, awesome, amazing, beautiful blessing and privilege here in Shoto, in Shoto Hills Church of Christ, of of year after year graduating valedictorians. And that's an awesome thing. That is great, that is wonderful, okay? But what makes even the valedictorians of their class in this congregation the wisest in God's eyes is not their GPA, but the fact that they're in Christ. That's the point. When we turn to Colossians chapter two, we begin in verse six and it says, as you therefore, Colossians 2, 6, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, again, talking to Christians, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Be careful that you don't measure wisdom by man's measuring stick. Be careful that you don't measure true wisdom in God's eyes by what 
The world says it constitutes a wise person, but make sure you're using God's standards if you are in Christ. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't use the wrong measure. For in him, Colossians 2.9, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And of course, he goes on in verses 11 and 12 to talk about those in Christ and how they got into Christ when they were baptized into Christ as we see in verses 11 and 12. As we go back to the gospel, according to Matthew, if you turn with me, go back there, please, to Matthew 24. What we learn from Matthew 24 when it comes to the wise and who they truly are in the eyes of God, we're going to find that the truly wise, I mean, there's no denying this. I'm going to read it word for word. Please look in your own Bibles. Make sure that what I'm saying is exactly what's there. According to God, we're going to find that a wise person is one who spends their time, their effort, their energy, and their resources constantly preparing for the Lord's return and then staying ready for the Lord's return. That's a wise person, according to God. One who continually devotes themselves to getting ready for the day that he will return and then maintaining that state of readiness. Look with me in Matthew 24, beginning at verse 44. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then he illustrates. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please notice, in both cases, this was a servant of the master. One servant was wise enough to get ready and stay ready. One, wise, one servant was not wise in that he said, well, I don't have to worry about it. I, I don't know when he's coming. I don't know if he's coming, so I can go live like I want. And that's foolishness. And, and Jesus, just because there's a, a separation here and it begins a new chapter, this, this new chapter 25 wasn't in here when it was originally written. As we know, the chapters and verses, divisions came centuries after the Bible was written. Jesus goes on immediately to illustrate what he meant in chapter 25. Look at the first four verses. He says, then, again tying it to what he's just said, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise, five were foolish. Jesus couldn't make it any simpler. What I'm telling you, he says, is this is the definition of wise and foolish. This is the contrast, wise and foolish in the eyes of God. This is it right here. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So you've got, you've got five of them that go out, and they've got an empty, empty 
lamp. They don't have, they don't take a lot of extra oil with them. Maybe they got a little, but they don't take any extra. And then you've got these other five that are prepared. They took the time in advance to make sure they were prepared. And they took extra with them just in case. Bridegroom's gone, gone a long time, longer than expected. Those who didn't bring extra with them, when he gets there, they're out, they're done. They're, they weren't prepared. But those that, that made sure that they were prepared were wise, they had extra. They used the extra. And so what happened when the bridegroom came back, illustrating, of course, Jesus returned to the earth. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be those who are prepared that as you read the rest of this story, he's going to let enter in with him. It takes preparation. A wise person in God's eyes is one who continually prepares for the master's return. The foolish ones that didn't bring extra, they had to go back and see if they could find some somewhere. And while they were gone, unexpectedly the master returned. A wise man, wise woman, is one who prepares constantly. Notice this. Their lamps probably on the outside all looked alike. Lamp is a lamp is a lamp. I mean, maybe they had a little bit different physical features, but you couldn't tell looking at the outside of the lamp whether it had a lot more or a little more left in it unless you, you know, right? Sometimes those who are constantly preparing and those who are not constantly preparing, you can't really tell from looking at the outside. That's why each one of us needs to make sure in our own heart that we're one of the ones who is prepared and keeps preparing and stays prepared. That's true with lamps. It's true with people as well. Turn with me to James 3. Up near the end of your Bibles, up there in James, uh, the question I began with is in this little section of Scripture, right after Hebrews. We come to James chapter 3 and see how James answers his own question. In James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? James says, here's the question. Now I'm going to give you the answer. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. He's talking about godly wisdom, which we're going to get to in a minute. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You know what that says? Can I shorten that up? You know what that says? That says if somebody's living that way, they ain't prepared. They ain't ready. That's not wise. The wise one will show by their works done in the meekness of, of godly wisdom, but, but if they have all those other things, that's somebody that's not preparing because they've still got those things in their lives that they need to get rid of. But verse 17, the wisdom that is from above, he says, okay, by contrast, let me show you the wise is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. He said, that's the wise, they're prepared. You know how many times in the Bible, the wise and the foolish are compared? How many times God gives you his definition of what it means to be wise versus foolish? He defines it so clearly, it's amazing that, that, that anybody can miss it who's seeking God. We would notice this contrast again in Romans chapter one verses 18 through 22. In Romans chapter one, and I'll give you a second to get turned there, because again, it's important that you check out every word I say in the scriptures. In Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 22, 
What God's going to tell you is, okay, there are some people who profess to be wise, maybe by the world's standard, but they're not, and here's why. Because <clears throat> they're not seeking God. They're not preparing. That's, that's the message of Romans 1. He said they think they're wise, professing to be wise. They're actually fools because they're not constantly preparing. And God's definition of the wise is those who are. In Romans 1, beginning at verse 18, <clears throat> excuse me, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. There you go. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. By the world's standards today, there are many very wise people who have delved into the fields of astro astronomy and science and, and who claim there is no God. One list I actually saw on Google of wise men included religious critics of people that denied God, a couple of them, and they were supposedly wise. What God tells us here is, is that for those people who deny him, I mean, it, it should be clear from the stars in the sky to, to babies to the, the sight that we have to all of these things that, that God has created that we see every day, our, our conscience and our emotions and, and everything that, that makes this world, our, our God and creator put here, and it should be obvious to everybody as they look around, there is a God. That's wisdom. Some people denying that God as they've looked at those things, he says right here, They've denied God. They've taken God out of the equation. He said, that's just foolish. They, they claim to be wise. The world may de define them as wise, but he said, that's foolish. How is that even possible? While there are a number of other places in both Testaments that contrast for us wise versus foolish, give us God's, God's very clear definition of the two, probably there is Nowhere else in scripture that has as many clear statements about the wise versus foolish and how God defines each one as the book of Proverbs. I want us to take a look at the book of Proverbs. Go back with me to it, would you please? And once again, while you're getting to Proverbs, I want us to remember the point. The point is, that God always, either testament, doesn't matter which one, God very clearly in both the Old and New Testament always, always, always defines the wise as those people who take the time to listen, learn, examine, and practice what he said. And he always defines the foolish as those who do not. Right out of the gate, that's what Proverbs tells us it's all about. Watch this, Proverbs chapter one, look at verses one through seven. It's all about the wise, the wisdom of God versus the foolish. Verse one, Proverbs. 
the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom, third word, to know what the whole point of this whole book is so that you can be wise according to God, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. That's the whole point. He goes on. The point is to receive, verse, uh, verse three, to receive the instruction of, guess what? Wisdom. Justice, judgment, and equity. We hear a lot about justice today. We hear a lot about everybody wants justice. You want justice? Read the book of Proverbs. That's what it's written for. That's what it says right here in the introduction, so that you can know what justice is. It's also written, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Do our young people in this sinful world we grow up in today need knowledge and discretion? Yes. As much as we need justice, as much as we need godly wisdom, guess what? Proverbs. Hello. All right there. A wise man, here we go, that contrast again, will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. How is it possible to read the first six verses? Verse one, wisdom, instruction, understanding. Verse two, wisdom. Verse three, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Verse two, wisdom, understanding, and instruction. Verse three, Wisdom, verse four, knowledge and discretion. Verse five, wise man, understanding, wise counsel. Verse six, to understand, wise. And finally, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The wise and the foolish, book of Proverbs. And I don't have time to read it, I wish I did. I could have made this a sermon series, but I didn't. Right in this very first chapter, very first chapter, God then goes on in verses 20 through 33 to show us the spiritual marks of identity or the spiritual fingerprints or DNA strands that identify the difference between the wise and the foolish by God's definition. But I'm gonna move on from chapter one in chapter 8 of Proverbs, and we're going to spend most of the rest of the lesson, if not all of it, in Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 8, godly wisdom is personified. It, it's given like a, a, it becomes like a person. And, and I want you to hear what godly wisdom personified says just in verses 32 through 36. The contrast again. Verse 32 through 36. Now therefore, godly wisdom says, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. You want to be blessed. You want to be happy. Do it God's way. That's what the book says. The word blessed means happy. You want to be happy? You need more happiness, more blessedness in your life? Do it God's way. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Now, either that's right or God's wrong. And if you want to face him on Judgment Day telling him he made a mistake, I ain't doing it. That's on you. Verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Hear God's instruction. It's all about godly wisdom. Don't disdain it. Hear it. Blessed is the man. Blessed meaning happy. Blessed is the man who listens to me, wisdom says, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me, godly wisdom says, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Do you want favor from God? You don't get it 
without getting godly wisdom. You don't get it without getting into this book. This book is the book of God's wisdom that makes you wise so that you can obtain God's favor. Isn't God awesome? That's what it says. But, verse 36, godly wisdom says, he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and those who hate me love death. That's the contrast. If you love death, you hate your own soul, then don't bother to open the book. That's how God defines the wise and the foolish. What defines a truly wise person is not their IQ, but their intimate desire to listen to, to examine, to study, to learn, to understand the words of God. We see this in, in Proverbs 15, turn there. It's not the IQ number. It's the intensity with which they want to study God's word and come to know him. Proverbs 15, beginning at verse 31 says, the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. Listen, we mess up. We live in a fallen world. We're all sinners. We're either sinners saved by grace or we're sinners that haven't been saved by grace yet, but we're all sinners. And we make mistakes and we do dumb things, all of us. But as I think about that and read this, there's times we all need to be corrected. Doesn't matter if you're a preacher, an elder, a congregation member, the newest convert or the oldest saint in the congregation. There's times we all need to be corrected because we all mess up. We don't mean to, but we do. The ear that hears the rebukes of the life will abide among the wise. If you want to be truly wise, then when God's word corrects you, listen. He who disdains instruction or he who doesn't listen despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. If, if you listen to correction from the word of God, accurate correction from the word of God, you get understanding. You become wise. That's God's definition of a wise man. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. I'm going to blitz through some passages from Proverbs. If you take notes, you may want to just take them. I'll try to keep them in chronological order. But I want us to go through this list, pay attention to the word of God, look how God defines a wise man. And the thing is, I didn't get all the verses. If I got all the verses on this, we would be here until tonight's lesson. I just took a few. Because this idea so completely permeates God's word. We're just gonna talk about the book of Proverbs. Let me begin. And actually, they're in a couple of different sections, so they're not totally chronological. But the first one is Proverbs 18 and verse 15. God's definition of the wise. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Are you here this morning seeking some wisdom from God? then you need to be listed by Google as a wise man or woman. Proverbs 19 and verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. If you are a younger person, and I realize that's a relative term because I still, I'm young, so there you go. In your younger days, Listen to godly wisdom. Let God's word correct you. Let those that love you and love God 
correct you with the word of God that you may be wise in your latter days. Someday when I start to get old, I want to be wise. So I need to listen to correction now while I'm young. Proverbs 23 and verse 19. Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. It does not say the way. There's one way. It's God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And so we are to listen to God's word. Hear my son, be wise, guide your heart in the way. Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. It's a war out there. You fight it every day. You have to fight against Satan. You have to fight against temptation. You have to fight against those who don't know God. You have to fight against the, the, the turmoils and, and the doubt and everything that this world and, and the devil will hurl at you. But by wise counsel, the counsel of God, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. One of the beautiful things about coming to, to, come to worship is that we're with other people. And if we're having a problem dealing with something, we can go to a brother or sister and we can say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Have you ever, and you'd be surprised how many people will tell you, yeah, I have. See, we don't know each other when we just sit here in the pews and we don't talk. And Satan always makes us feel when we got a problem like we're the only one that's ever gone through that problem and he isolates us. But one of the beautiful things when we can talk to our brothers and sisters, say, man, I'm just struggling with this. And they say, yeah, and, and this is how I got through it. And, and we encourage one another. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety, that's wisdom. <clears throat> Proverbs 25 and verse 12 says, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. It is a precious, beautiful, uh, rare thing when you are a wise rebuker using the wisdom of God to one who is obedient and willing to listen. That's precious in the eyes of God. So when a wise person gains all this counsel from God, what are they going to do with it? Well, Proverbs 11 and verse 30 tells us. Well, you get all this wisdom. What are you going to do with it? <coughs> Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous, what comes out of the righteous person's life who has gained this godly wisdom, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. There was soul winning in the Old Testament? Well, apparently so. And he who wins souls is wise. You want to be wise in God's definition? We just did a door knocking campaign and we're out to Bible study with people and help people to understand God's word, not our opinions, not that stuff, but just God's word. And we want to study with people and we're trying to win souls to Jesus, right? Is that right? You know what it says? The Bible says you are if you're doing that? You know what the Bible says you are if you're doing that in your own family, in your own circle of friends, in your own circle of co-workers? The Bible says you're one of those wise people. In God's eyes, who would you rather be wise in their eyes? The world or God? I don't want an IQ of 230 or 50 or 300. I'd rather be a Christian and tell people about Jesus. 
because God says that's wisdom. And I'm not downing anybody. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. Proverbs 15 and verse 7. I'm just telling you, if I got my druthers, and by the way, I don't have to worry about that high of an IQ, okay? Um, Proverbs 15 and verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. The wise person disperses knowledge. They win souls. They talk about the Lord. And, and the question is, okay, well, when we do that, is it worth it? Well, verse 24 of Proverbs 15 says, yeah, it's worth it, because verse 24 says, the way of life winds upward for the wise that he may turn away from hell below. You want to go to heaven? If you're here this morning, you don't want to go to heaven. I don't know why you're here. If we want to go to heaven, the way of the wise, the way of life winds upward for the wise so that we don't go below. And, and the wise, as we've already seen, is one who disperses God's knowledge with their lips and seeks to win souls, amongst other things. That's just part of the definition. But foolishness is just the opposite. Look with me. <clears throat> In Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9. Look at verses 8 through 10. Now let's look at the foolish. Let, we've, we've seen how God defines wise. Let's contrast that with just the opposite, how God defines foolish. Proverbs 9, beginning at verse 8. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Um, yeah, that's what I want. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be wiser still. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. You see, when you correct somebody with the word of God, if they are truly wise, they, are listen, they will listen. But if you correct a scoffer, one who doesn't accept the word of God, then they're foolish. They're a scoffer. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We see a comparison in Proverbs 10 that's even a little clearer in beginning in verse 8. Proverbs 10, verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commands. That's God's definition. Will you receive the commands of God? Then you're wise. It couldn't be any clearer. But a prating fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Which are we doing? Are we wise enough to love and cover sin? Not saying it's okay, not for a second. Sin is never okay. But are we using it to stir up problems, or are we loving that person enough not to? Wisdom, 13, is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid. Wise people store up knowledge. Boom. God's definition. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. On and on it goes, and on it goes some more. I'm going to read these really fast. Don't even try to turn there, because I want to get done, because I don't want to hold you all up from lunch with your dads and all that. Listen, just listen. Take notes. Ready? The wise versus the foolish from Proverbs. Proverbs 3.35, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame will be the legacy of fools. Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. God's definition again. Proverbs 13.1, a wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Am I seeing a common theme here? 
Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one pulls it down with her own hands. Two verses later in 14.3, the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. I love this one from Proverbs 14.16, a wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. The fool says, I don't care, they'll do it. The wise said, that's trouble, I need to stay away from it. There's so many more. Proverbs 18.1, and I'm shortening my list. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Think about that. He rages against all wise judgment. If I think I'm the only one in the world that's right, and I'm so full of pride that nobody else is as right as I am, then what am I going to do? I'm going to get away from all those people. I'm going to isolate myself from all those people who have a different idea than I do. Because after all, they can't be right because I am. That's the idea in Proverbs 18 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever led, is led astray by it is not wise. Chapter 20 and verse 1. And on it goes. In the New Testament as well, God makes this comparison. God tells us who's not wise. In Luke 24 and verse 25, he says, those who are not wise, who are slow to believe the scriptures, they're not wise, Luke 24 to five. Those who outright deny God and his power are not wise, according to Romans 1, 18 and 32, through 32. Those who turn away from what the first century apostles and servants of the Lord taught are not wise, Galatians chapter three and verse one and following. Those who are only wise in their own opinion are not wise, Romans 12 and verse 16. Those who compare themselves to others instead of to Jesus Christ are not wise, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Those who desire to be rich at the cost of their Christianity are not wise but foolish, 1 Timothy 6, 9. And those who want to argue points just in order to create problems and strife are not wise, 2 Timothy 2.23. Bottom line this morning as we close is this. The Lord's church or group of saved people is not primarily made up of those who are wise according to the flesh. The scripture uses that term in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. It's not made up of those who are necessarily wise according to the flesh. What that means is it's not made up of those who are wise according to the world's standard, whether it's IQ or accomplishment or letters after your name or whatever. That's not what the Lord's church is primarily made up of according to the scriptures, but it is made up of those who are wise according to God's definition. It is made up of those who are wise enough to seek God and follow him. We all need to determine to be wise and remain wise by God's definition. We need to be more concerned with, with the things surrounding Christ's return than with understanding this world that is going to burn when he returns. That's wisdom, according to God. We need to do that by always being ready to learn and listen and understand and obey the, the Lord first. Always being willing to change, to accept rebuke, repent and change whatever is necessary in order to take that upward path and not that lower one described in Proverbs 15, 24. Question this morning. How wise are you? And by whose standard?
Are you wise enough, according to God's standard, to believe his word? trust his word and to do what he said, to make any changes you need to make to get in line with God's word. Are you that wise according to God? Have you heard the gospel this morning? And do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And are you willing to repent of your sins and confess Christ as Lord? Because you've checked his word and you're wise enough to see that's what it says. This morning, if you believe him, are you willing to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins just as scripture commands? than to live faithfully until death. This morning, if you need to be baptized, if you need the prayers of the church, if you need a Bible study, anything you've heard that maybe sounds a little different than something you've heard before, we stand ready to assist you now as we stand and sing. How wise are you?